why do we gather together? Why do we gather together? Have you ever thought about it just for a moment as church, as churches all over the world? Why every week, like every Sunday morning, or if you're one of those cool churches, you have a Saturday night service, and uh, why people get together, I'm only kidding, I'm like, we're the coolest church in the world, just to let you know. Uh, but, uh, but why people get together and gather together every week? Every, I don't know if you've ever truly think, thought about it, but think about this for a moment. I think it's a little strange. Where else in the world or where else in our lives do we get together every week? We're expected to come and gather together every week. We sing a few songs together. We hear a guy that gives what seems like a 30-minute lecture. Uh, Then on top of that, you're not just expected to give a donation, but you're actually expected to help fund the whole enterprise. And then what's more, then you're expected to work and work for free, and then we want you to invite your friends. I mean, come on, that sounds a little strange, doesn't it? You know, we want you to give, we want you to attend, we want you to work, and then, hey, how about bring your friends along as well to the church? I mean, this really can be a little weird. To an outsider, someone who's not used to church, that can be a little strange. So, For 34 and a bit years, I have been attending church. I think like the second week I was, I came out of my mother's womb, I was like in church. And so for 34 years, I've been in in church and my dad's a pastor or was a pastor and he's he's retired now. But so we, we were expected to be in church every single week. And I don't know about kids. Our kids ministry is great. And I love our kids ministries and we hear kids all the time say how much they love church and they want to come to church. And maybe you're here today because your kid loves church. When I grew up, kids hated church. I mean, it just wasn't fun at all. What we had to do, we had to sit through an hour and a half to two hour service, our adult service. And then we had our kids services for another hour after that. And they were lame. I mean, ultimately they were lame. And so we were expected to go to church. So for 34 years, I've been to church. And, and, and this isn't to make me look good because I'm really not. But I would say there's probably been about 40 Sundays, 40 Sundays in my whole life where I've not been in church on a Sunday. And probably most of them have since I got married. No, I'm going to kidding. So, uh, but 40 Sundays. And this is why. My parents just had this uh, this value that we as a church should attend, uh, we as a family should attend church on Sundays. So when I was younger, I was a budding cricketer. I mean, if you ever want me to explain cricket to you, then let me know. We'll sit down for about three hours and I will passionately tell you what cricket is all about. But for the moment, I won't explain what cricket is. It's just this funny English game that we wear white things and, and stuff. But I was this budding cricketer, and I had a really big future as a cricketer. As a 14-year-old, I was playing in the under-18 team. When I got to 16, I was playing in these adult leagues. And I really had a good future in cricket because I, I played in a position that was a really skillful position that not many people played in. And the only problem was is that cricket was played on Saturdays and Sundays. And if you really wanted to get anywhere in the world of cricket, like become a top amateur or become a professional, then you had to play every Saturday and every Sunday. There was only one problem. My family believed in going to church 
on a Sunday. And so what happened, we had lots of debates, lots of arguments, lots of times where I don't want to go to church, I want to go and play cricket. And my parents always won. Actually, there was one Sunday when they gave in, they said, yeah, you can go and play because we were in need and I had a stinker of a game. It was horrible. But I could not pursue the place that I wanted to go in my cricket life just because we had to go to church on Sundays. And this is what my parents said. This is why I, I asked my mom. I was like, Mom, I'm like, don't you understand? We don't have to be a, a Christian to go to church. You know, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. I mean, you, 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 we, you know, I, I love God. I can go in the week. Just let me go on Sundays. And this is what my mom would always say. My mom would say, we are Christians and Christians go to church on Sunday. We are Christians, and Christians go to church on Sunday. And I was always wondering, like, Mom, come on, that just doesn't make sense at all. It doesn't say in the Bible that we have to go to church every Sunday. I can go and play cricket. I can go and be a a witness to the cricketers. Like, yeah, sure, I would have been. But that's, that's, that's what my mom always says. We are Christians, and Christians go to church on Sunday. And for the last 16 years, I've actually been in a place of what we call church leadership. I've been a youth pastor, associate pastor, and now I'm what they call a senior pastor. And in that time, I've learned a lot, and I've still got a lot to learn. However, if there's one thing I've learned over the past 16 years, it's this. It's two statements. They're not very profound. They're probably not even biblical. But this is what I've learned over the last 16 years. And before I say them, I hope not to offend anybody this morning. You may get offended. And I apologize if you get offended. You may not agree with me, and that's okay. Because this is just out of my experience that I've learned. Uh, You may uh, never want to come back to this church again. Well, that's not okay, you know. So, But these are the two statements. The first one is this. It's what I've learned or discovered. A lack of church attendance equals a lack of understanding about God. A lack of church attendance equals a lack of understanding about God. Then the second statement, which probably is a little even more divisive, is this. A decline in church attendance shows a decline in relationship with God. A declining church attendance shows a declining relationship with God. And you may say to me right now, are you telling me that going to church makes me a better Christian? You may say, I know plenty of people who go to church every week, and they are no better Christian than someone else. In fact, I know people who go to church every week, and they are no better than the person I work with who never goes to church, never wants anything to do with God. Actually, others may even say this. This is the more churchy people. They may say this. Well, I just go to TV church. I go to online church. My relationship with God, I just can't find a place that I like. I'm not a people person, so I don't like mixing with people. The music is too loud, or the music's just too quiet. In fact, the music's lame altogether. Maybe you might say, 
There aren't enough people my age. My kids don't like it. My husband works on Sundays and I have to take care of the kids and it's just too much. Maybe you might say the preaching is just too shallow or the preaching is over my head and I can't understand it. No matter the excuse, this is, in my experience, this is what I've learned. And it's never failed. People who stop attending church or people who don't have church as a priority start to have the Jesus in them leak out. Start to have the life-giving spirit that Jesus gives leak out of them. Let me firstly say that going to church does not make you a better Christian. Let's just put that one there. Because actually, going to church every week has, no, has absolutely nothing to, you, to do with you becoming a better Christian. In fact, I would even say going to church is wrong altogether. Going to church is wrong altogether. And if you go, if you on a Sunday morning get up and you say, I'm going to Generation Church, then you may have misunderstood why we are here. If you are someone who says, I go to that church, you may have misunderstood why the church is there all together. If that's you, if you are someone who goes to church, then eventually this is what's going to happen. Church is going to become mundane. It's going to become boring. It's going to become a chore. And no matter how quality the music may be, it's not going to be enough to keep you going. No matter how much your kids may enjoy coming, eventually you're going to discover that your kids are going to have just as good a time at the park or the bounty place or Chuck E. Cheese as they are at church. And it's going to be a whole lot easier getting them there at 2 o'clock in the afternoon than at 10 in the morning right here. In fact, you may even discover if, God, if you are someone who goes to church, then you may discover that the bed always seems so much more comfortable on a Sunday morning than it does on a Saturday. I don't know what the deal is. Saturday, I'm wide awake. I'm downstairs at 7 in the morning watching my English soccer. Sunday morning, there's a struggle to get out of bed. I don't know why. It just always ha- happens. But the problem for so many is that They are going to church when Christ never said, go to church. Jesus never said, go to church. In fact, this is what Jesus said, be the church. Be the church. The whole reason why we gather together, the whole reason why we come together as a church, the whole reason why we have this on a Sunday morning and other things going on in, in the week is for the very reason is that we come together as the church. We come together as the church. It's not like we just go to church. It's not just a service that we go to. Let's be honest. If we were just going to a service, then most of us, after maybe three months, six months, a year, we'd just be like, forget it. It's so much nicer drinking my cup of coffee at home, put some TV on, maybe watch somebody, you know, do a sermon on TV. That's much nicer, much better. It's much more easy for us. But Christ never said go. 
he says, come together as a church. And this morning, this is what I want to do. I want to give you three truths about why we gather, why we volunteer, why we give, and why we ultimately believe that we should start doing life together. And this is the first truth I want to give to you today. We gather, we gather together because we are one body. We are one body. That may seem a little strange to you. You're like, what are you talking about? Well, Romans 12, verse 1 to 4 says this. It says, so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and a holy sacrifice, the kind God will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. That's what God has ultimately wanted to do with you. He wants you to give of your life as a living sacrifice, and he's going to start working in you and molding you and changing the way that you think. It says then, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I will give, uh, I give each of you this warning. Don't think that you, are, that you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Then he says this in verse 4, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has a special function. So it is with Christ's body. Then he says this, and he relates us to Christ's body. We, meaning the church, are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. We, the church, are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. It kind of sounds a little freaky at times when you think about it. But this is, the, this is what Paul is saying. The church is not an organization. The church isn't an organization. The, 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 state, the state of Maryland know that Generation Church is a non-profit organization in their eyes. But in our eyes, we are not an organization. We are a living organism. I nearly said something about that. Wow. Organism. <laughs> The church is a living organism. <laughs> this means that we must move and function and survive as a real body does. There are many different parts to the body. But it is not a body until everything comes together. So let's just be like gruesome for a moment. Say there was like a hand that was cut off on this side of the stage. And say there was a leg that was cut off on this side of the stage. And we would look at them, and this is what we would say, there is a hand, there is a leg. We would not say there is a body. Because they're cut off from each other. We wouldn't think that they were part of the same body. The hand needs to be connected to the body, and the leg needs to be connected to the body. The hand needs the rest of the body to function. If there was just this hand right there on its own, it wouldn't be able to function. It needs the rest of the body. Same with a leg. A leg can't just walk by itself. 
It needs the rest of the body in order to function. And you know what? The body needs the hand. And the body needs the leg. The body can't function as a body or two without its hands and its legs and all the parts that come together. And in the same way, we as a church need you and you need us because we are one body. It's not about going to a church service. It's not about on a Sunday morning coming here, singing three or four songs, listen to some guy preach, hear a few announcements, go home. It's not about that. It's about coming together, gathering together to function as a body. And when you are not here, the body hurts. And you know when you're disconnected from the body, you may not even realize it, but you hurt as well. You know, Paul tells us, he says, to give our lives as a living sacrifice. And part of that sacrifice is at times giving up our own desires to gather together with the reason to become this body. I got something right here that uh, this is like some of you, you've encountered some of these already. And you've been putting up Christmas decorations and you're like, I don't want to see the sight of any more Christmas lights ever again. Let me just tell you. Pre-lit Christmas trees are like God's gift to mankind. I mean, they are amazing. So we've got, we've got this, this, uh, this, this string of Christmas lights. And this the string of Christmas lights is, is, is working as it ought to work. We can string them up. Everyone knows their Christmas lights. All the bulbs are functioning as they are. This is functioning as it was designed to function. But what happens when I pull one of these lights out? Some of the lights go out. Now we have a half-working Christmas light. Yeah, we probably could work it. We probably could hide some of these and show some of these. And we still got some Christmas lights. But it's not functioning as it ought to function. That was one little light that came out. And look at all those lights that went out. I wonder what happens when I just pull another one out. All the lights go out altogether. Just two little lights that if you were looking at them on the floor, you'd think they were so insignificant. So, that, that, I mean, what do these even have to do with the rest of it? What does it matter if two pieces, two little lights have gone? The whole thing goes out and it can't function as it was designed to function. Do you know why? Because this whole light thing works together. It's like a body. So you've got to put them back in, and then they start to light up. And then when the other one is connected with the other one, wherever it's gone, there it is. And it didn't come on. Anyway, they're trashy Christmas lights. Don't get Christmas lights from Walmart, okay? But that's what happens. And, that, and God has uniquely gifted you And he has given you talents. He's given you gifts. And those talents and those gifts, they're needed in the church. They are needed in the church. And when we are cut off from the body, we stop functioning. When I had that light in my hand, that light was not functioning by itself. It needed the rest of the lights. And when we are cut off from the body, we stop functioning as Christ designed us to function. So we gather together because we are one body. Second truth I want to give you this morning is this. We gather 
together because we have one life source. One life source. We gather together because we have one life source. If you want to turn your Bibles to John chapter 15. John chapter 15 and verse 1. And Jesus is saying here, and this is what he says. He says, I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he, put, and he prunes the branches that do not bear fruit. So they will produce even more. You have already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you, says Jesus. Jesus says, remain in me, and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is uh, severed from the vine. And you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. So Jesus is saying that, that there's a branch and there's a vine. If the branch is cut off, the branch starts to die. It can't produce any fruit. Then in verse 5, Jesus says, yes, I am the vine. And you, talking to his disciples, are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Such branches are gathered into a pile and they are burnt. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you will ask and, and you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. And this brings glory to the Father. You know, something incredible about grapes. Have you ever seen like a, a grapevine and seen how grapes are grown on the grapevine? Have you ever seen just like one grape on a grapevine? No, because grapes grow in bunches. Grapes never grow singly. They grow together with other grapes. And so is the same in the kingdom of God. On your own, you will never produce much fruit. But together, when you grow together, you produce multiple amounts of fruit. You know, back in 2001, uh, so 2005, I went to India for the second time. We went to Calcutta, India. And we were at this church. Raquel was singing. I was preaching. And uh, we had a great time. And I remember one, one morning, we, we were at the church. And I looked out. And there was, they had like this office building next to the church. They had like this hospital the church had. It was a, an amazing complex. And I looked down. I looked down. And there were lines and lines of people all around. And I asked, I said, what are all those people lining up for? And the pastor of the church turned to me and he says, those are people that we feed. Every day we feed hundreds of people. And we got different spots all over Calcutta and this is one of the spots. And they said they gathered together around 10 in the morning to come and get the food that we are going to distribute to them. And it reminded me of what Jesus said here with the vine and the branches. This is why every day they gather together to get their life source. If they did not get that food, they would die. And they gathered together because that was the one place that they could get their life source. And the same with us. When we gather together, we get a life source, and that is Jesus Christ. You may say, well, I can do that by myself. I can read my Bible and pray by myself. 
But yet Matthew chapter 18 and verse 20, Jesus specifically says, he says that where two or three are gathered in my name, Jesus says, I am in the midst. I am in the midst. So this morning as we gather together, as we worship God, Jesus Christ, according to his word, says that he is right here in our midst. When you gather together with other Christians, Jesus Christ, is in the midst. When you're having coffee at Starbucks with a couple of other people who who are believers of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is in the midst. When you gather on a Sunday morning and we worship God, Christ is in the midst. When you're you're at home having dinner or, or, or eating with some friends who are Christians, Christ is in the midst. And if Christ is there, then our life source is there. When we create like a food line, like I saw in India, there is, uh, there, 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 there is this, this life source that comes. And it is through staying close to Christ that we start to grow and we start to produce fruit and produce what Christ has designed us to, to, to create. You know, it doesn't matter if that food line is 10 people. It doesn't matter if it's three people. It doesn't matter if it's 10. It doesn't matter if it's 100 people, 1,000 people, or 100,000 people. But when the people of God gather together in God's name, God shows up. And when people stop gathering, they soon run dry. It's like a branch just being cut off a tree. And they soon run dry. And this is why, as a church, We're often so insistent about getting together with other people. Not just on a Sunday, because that's not enough, but during the week, living life together. You know, this this January, we're going to launch several different small groups, and we're going to really push it and ask you to be involved in a small group. Not because we just want everybody to get together in a small group, but because we realize that is where real life happens. Because when you gather together, the life source is right there in the midst. When you're together, you're being spiritually fed. Whether it's a small group, an outreach, whether you just get together with others and pray together, Christ is in the midst. And we gather together because we have one life source. Very quickly this morning, last truth I want to give to you. We gather together because otherwise we're going to die alone. We gather together because otherwise we're going to die alone. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23 says this. It says, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm for God can be trusted to keep his promise. So let's hold firmly to the hope we have in God. And that's God's going to save us, forgive us, give us life. It says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do. I mean, if there's anything saying that we should gather together, it's this verse. It says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. So Hebrews tells us, don't stop meeting together. Don't stop gathering together, however that may be. 
whether that may be in a small, uh, small group, whether it may be, you know, coming together in a corporate worship sense, whether it's coming together with people and praying. Do not stop meeting and gathering together. I wonder why Hebrews said this, the writer of the Hebrews. I think it was because he understood how much we need each other. I don't know about how many of you are going to have New Year's resolutions in 2014. But if you do, I guarantee maybe on the list is I'm going to work out this year, right? I'm going to lose some weight. I'm going to get myself healthy and fit. And if you go and try to do it on your own, it's going to last about three weeks. If you're really motivated, it may last a couple of months. But If you get somebody else who comes in with you and you train together and you work out together, you know what's going to happen? You're probably going to achieve your goal. Why? Because we motivate one another. I don't know if you've ever seen like American, uh, what is it, Uh, The Biggest Loser. Uh, The Biggest Loser, that's just crazy how much weight those people lose. Unbelievable. But you know why? Because they're surrounded in a group where they are all motivating one another to lose weight, to work out, to get on a healthy regime. They've got trainers who are there who are yelling at them and screaming at them, motivating them to do what their goal was. And when two people are together, there is more chance of success than one because they motivate one another. But when we stop gathering together, when we stop getting connected with the people of God, We stop motivating one another. And without motivation, we slip and we fall. The reason why this church got started was basically because of the motivation of others. There were some times before we even held our first service where we just wanted to quit. It was way too hard to start a church. I don't recommend it. It's pretty tough. But there was others who motivated us along the way and kept us going. You know, there's only one reason why I'm standing here right now and I'm not some loser who doesn't want anything to do with God. And it's because when I was down, when I wanted to quit on my faith, there was others around me who motivated me, who lifted me up, who looked past my faults, And saw something in me that I couldn't even see in myself. And it kept me going because they motivated me. And that is the whole point of why we gather together as a church. It's to motivate one another. To lift each other up. To to help each other grow in our faith. To to help us realize that there, there is a God who seriously loves us and wants the best for us. You know, one thing that I don't think I've ever said from from this stage before, and that's this, is people don't realize that I'm actually mainly an introvert. People may look at me and think, yeah, you're kind of an extrovert because you talk to people and the fact you can get up there and talk, you know, on a Sunday morning. But actually, getting up here on a Sunday morning makes my stomach churn. I mean, it really does. Because... Inside, I'm really this introvert. And what I mean by that is that I actually like being on my own. Uh, And that's not taken away from you because I love being with you guys. But I actually like being on my own. I actually get energized when I'm on my own. Introverts don't need people. Extroverts need people. 
However, despite all my introverted tendencies, I've realized I need other people. I've learned to enjoy and appreciate other people, and this is why. This is what I've experienced in my life. Since I've got older, I've matured, and I've realized I can't do it alone. I can't do this life alone. I can't live this life of faith alone. Left to my own devices, I just become too selfish. And it becomes all about Alex, Alex, Alex. That's why I need other people. I'll be honest with you. I don't trust myself when I'm on my own. I don't trust myself to do the right thing on my own. I've realized that God has has equipped me to help, motivate, and support others. On a Sunday, that's when we gather together. That's my number one goal is to help, support, and motivate you. I've realized, and this, this has taken me a long time to realize, I've realized that others need me more than I realize. Others need me more than I realize, and I guarantee in your life, others need you more than you realize. I've discovered that together, God can do more through us than he can ever do through just me. God can do more through us than he can ever do through me. And then finally, I've realized this. Church isn't about the music, even though I love the music. Church isn't about the preaching, even though that's the thing I do on Sunday mornings. Church isn't about the programs. It's not about having the best kids' ministry. It's not about, you know, uh, ha- having, having this program or that program, this recovery program, that one. It's, it's, it's not about that. Church is about this. It's about coming together with the body of Jesus Christ, followers of Jesus Christ, together being connected to the vine, our life source, and then together becoming better, more solid disciples by motivating one another. And trust me this morning, when you pull back from church, from gathering with people in the church, ultimately, you're going to start pulling back from your life source. It may not happen overnight, but over time, you will stop functioning as you were designed to function, and you won't have the motivation to continue. And then that is why we gather. That is why we believe in going to church on a Sunday isn't enough. That's why we've created a church, a place where you can belong You can join and you can grow in. That is why we gather as a church. Let's bow our heads in prayer.